0: Sam Harvey is a sports blogger, podcaster, and writer. Paul Harvey, or Harve, is Sam's dad. Harve is a cartoonist, caricaturist, illustrator, and author. Today, I'm talking to Sam and Paul about their new book, Kyrios: The Smash Hits, Nick Versus the World. Sam and Paul, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Hi, thanks for having us. How do you describe yourselves and your relationship with professional tennis? Um, shocking at uh, the sport, but watching
1: it it was always very interesting when the Australian Open came around watching all the characters from across the world come and play against each other it was it was fascinating to watch
2: I was a tennis tragic I grew up with a court at home and um, uh, my two mates and I would go to kuyong every year and watch uh, we all had our favorite we all had our favorite women players when I was in my 20s early 20s but we um, we would go every year we'd sit in the sun they were both Italian so they'd decided they never needed sun cream, and I used to get completely sunburned and frazzled. Um, Kooyong back in those days was all open without any shelter. Mm -hmm. But um, I loved it. And I, funnily enough, I loved McEnroe. He was my favourite. But um, I sort of got that temper thing that McEnroe had because I had it. But um, I did lose interest in tennis for years, and I I always liked Hewitt. I liked Rafter, but um, I think Hewitt got me back. And um, I think Kyrgios has continued that. I love watching him play. Well, you went to school with Pat Cash, didn't you? I did, I did. I went to, just for a few years, I went to school with Pat Cash. So he was an interesting fellow to follow.
0: You didn't pick up anything uh, tennis-wise from Pat
2: Rafter? Uh, no, no, probably more McEnroe. <laughs> I threw the
0: racket a bit. Oh, well, that's very um, Nick Kyrgios. So it is. Obviously, you obviously got something going there, something in common. Now, Nick Curios is clearly a talented tennis player, but one of Australia's favourite pastimes is cutting down tall poppies like Nick. Very true. Is Nick Curiosity misunderstood or is it us or is it him? I
1: personally think he's misunderstood. I think any any athlete that gets scrutinised as much as him at such a young age, you kind of de- develop a coping mechanism and, yeah, sometimes he lashes it out in interviews, but I, I feel like he does enjoy giving a show, really showing off his tennis skills. I, I feel like he, he loves doing that side of things but when it comes to the media i feel like over the years he's always
2: now in the mindset that they're just going to look for ways to bring him down uh, we're an interesting couple of views on Curious because i i have a theory that anybody over 50 thinks he's a bit of a deal and i think the tall poppy thing i'm i'm hoping is changing subtly as time goes by I, I think the younger generation or the gen z's and the millennials are much more likely to be accepting of people's faults, whereas I think my generation are much harder. And I think the book, if the book had been written by somebody over 50, it would have been a, a, a much different book. It would have been a lot more critical book. And I think Sam brings a, um, an understanding to Kyrgios and, uh, and I think a, a better view of the media and the way the media work, the way the media set you up to fall. Because there's a story in your successes and there's just as great a story in, the, in you toppling over the edge.
1: Well, I think with the media-wise, he changed a lot of perceptions with the Bushfire Appeal and all the fantastic work he did there. I think people got to really see his side of Nick that isn't really portrayed when he's playing tennis because in the heat of the moment, you're competitive, you're trying to win, um, you, you just want that success. But um, I, I feel like with the Bushfire Appeal, Layers of the onion were brought away and the, the public got to see a side of Nick that his mum especially sees and his dad sees and his family sees. So I think that was really important for Nick and his story. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's really it's really helped the more so Australians because I feel like everyone around the world across the globe love him. They absolutely love him. When, when I was talking to Tony Jones during the interview for the book, he said, England loves him. He's, he's like the next Shane Warne over there. The, the entire public loves him. The Yanks love him too. It's just this Australia's still just trying to, yeah, find a way, find a way to love him. But I, I think that's that's the
2: the thing about Nick. You love him and you hate him at the same time. And that's pushed by the media narrative again. If the if the narrative is that we want you to love Kiryas, they'll talk about his charity and his yeah. what he did um, with the fires. But if the media narrative is that we think he's a knob, then they're going to go hard and you're not going to see that good side of him. And it, and it changes, it evolves. And I think younger, as I said, younger generation are more attuned to that, whereas my generation like to fall in
0: and pile on. Yes, we're, we're very quick to judge, Nick. It seems that uh, some of his peers or former tennis players, and one in particular is John McEnroe, what is it about curiosity that brings out that sort of double standard in McEnroe?
1: It's an interesting question because I, I feel like, especially as a commentator, there's always that underlying pressure that McEnroe has to say something every time something happens with Nick. I feel like now that he he has the commentator side as well, if he wasn't a commentator, I I reckon some of the stuff he'd say would, would be
2: definitely different. McEnroe seems to wear two shoes, the player, the ex-player, and yeah. then the, the commentator. And, he seems to be oblivious to the fact that he was the most divisive, aggressive, probably with Connors and yeah. Nastasia, I suppose.
0: McEnroe's famous for becoming the first player to be disqualified from an event at the Australian uh, Open, 1990 Australian Open. I don't think Nick Nick has even approached that.
2: No, no, he's, ah. he's, he's he's much better. He's um, And yet McEnroe seems to be oblivious to the fact that, you know, his record and I thought Sam's... Chapter um, a Pot Kettle was just terrific because it holds a mirror in front of the media and their double standards.
1: Especially with Connors dominating at the same time, the relationship between McEnroe and Connors is very different to the relationship Nick has with some of his teammates. Like Nick and uh, Kock and are very,
2: very close mates, best mates in fact. So. And how much was gamesmanship and how much was... That's the other thing. I think with Kyrgios it's gamesmanship. I think that a little with McEnroe too, I just don't think McEnroe had a lot of control over his um, temper. Um, I don't think Pat Cash did either. But um, there definitely is gamesmanship in uh, the way the great tennis players play with the grunting and the faux uh, antagonism and Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff.
0: While he's got a lot of detractors, he's also got some supporters and one in particular is Leighton Hewitt. What does Hewitt see that nobody else seems to be able to see?
1: I, I think Hewitt sees a lot of himself in, in Nick and the way he's gone about and pushed into the spotlight very early, beating Nadal when he was, yeah, not even 21.
2: So, smashed in the media when he was little, Australia. when he was young.
1: Yeah, well, uh, people do forget that Leighton had a few ups and downs with certain things he said in the media and certain things he did on the court. And I, I feel like Leighton, over time, grew and definitely grew on Australia as a public. And I think... Nick slowly slowly moving that way and I think that's why Layden really understands Nick and he can see that the path that he went down during his career and in post-career I, I I feel like he
2: can see that in Nick. Aussies are a fickle bunch we like to pile on but we also like a winner if you play Davis Cup and you try your guts out you can change the the um the opinion of uh people and I think. Uh, Leighton shows, Nick, that you can turn it around. You can turn around the perception.
0: I really enjoyed the section on some of Curios's most notable actions, as you call them. I particularly liked the one in the 2017 French Open when he asked for a beer during a match against South Africa's Kevin Anderson. I think a lot of Australians would say, what's wrong with that? I personally don't see anything wrong with
1: it. I, I think that's a little bit of flavour. I, I, Yeah, when, when I was researching certain parts of the book, I, I came across a story that a, a, a player, I believe, he was playing at Wimbledon in the 20s and they they he had a butler serve him champagne during the game and it got to the point where he couldn't even hold up his racket he was he was <laughs> passing out on on the on the court and it, yeah it's just looking back at where tennis is where tennis has come from and and how scrutinized it is now i think yeah yeah he adds that funny australian element to it definitely
0: that all sounds very civilized to me I also really like this one, and I think it says a lot about Nick. Um, I was distracted by a hot chick in the crowd. I'd marry her right now.
1: You don't have to go looking for stories. The stories are there.
0: The quotes are there. And I don't think you'd see
1: that from any other professional sportsman or woman on on planet. So it's except just, warning. maybe Except maybe, except maybe warning. And maybe that's why the Poms love them so much.
2: Maybe. While Sam was writing it, I'd be reading the paper and I'd say, oh, did you see this article? I'm curious. And I'd throw the paper over to Sammy just to... There was always something new. There this, this still is with Australian Open about to come. This, um, every time you open the back pages, there's another fantastic curiosity quote.
0: We've talked about the words in the book. Let's talk about some of the pictures in the book, and that's down to you, Half. You're a legendary illustrator, cartoonist and caricaturist. I wondered, how do you approach a caricature of an individual who may already be a caricature himself?
2: The most important thing is trying to make a bit of a statement about them. And Kyrgios, as you say, is a caricature already. Working in collaboration on a book like this, I read Sam's words and then I come up with funny cartoons inside the book. But one of the the biggest themes of the book, or the most important themes of the book, is the duality of Kyrgios. I couldn't do happy, smiley Nick without the (laughs) aggressive... Losing his temper, Nick, because that is the jewel. And so the book, so it was a lovely design designed by the great Michael Bannenberg. We discussed that, and I said, Look, I want to get that on there somewhere. And he said, I'll oh, just put it on the back.
0: The two sides of Nick, curious, I suppose. Two sides of,
2: exactly, the two sides of Nick. He's a good one to draw Nick. There's a lot of um, standout features, great haircut, the little slash, the neck chain, the tattoo on the back of the hand, um, big nose, um, you know, caricature streams, a big nose. <laughs> Very chiseled features, the beard, the you know, the the sculpted beard. He's he's wonderful to draw. Really, it was a lot of fun playing with the different curious expressions. You know, because he because <laughs> he's not all yelling and screaming and you know, he's putting his tongue out. He's he's mugging to the cameras. He's he's trying to find his own fun in the game as he plays. And he's I think that's why he brings in the spectators and he plays a little bit. I think I think at the end of the day, he just doesn't take the game too seriously, does he? No,
1: no, not at all. And that's, I feel like that is well represented in the book. And I I reckon that's why he has uh,
0: a lot of followers, slowly getting a lot of followers. Of course, part of the job of a caricature is to bring out the personality of the subject, not merely the physical features. How difficult is that with someone like Nick?
2: I love caricature. I've been doing it about 30 years. So over time you develop the ability to pick up things about people and the way they stand and the, and uh, the way their face falls and all those sorts of things very very quickly. Sometimes you know in in minutes. I think it's just a bit of a trained skill, but I love the nuance of Kyrgios because he's a tall man and he tends and tall people really tall people tend to slouch and slump a little bit. So he's got a bit of a slouch. He's got a bit of a slump. He's got a long skinny neck. So when I was cartooning him, I actually I tried to bring in that um, the the formidable way he stands, but he's got very skinny legs. So. He's not a formidable, he's a tall man, but he's not a formidable size because he's
0: skinny. Is it that kind of slouch that he has, that swagger that uh, so offends us? It takes a while for people to acclimatise to
1: an, an individual like Nick with the, with the personality to match. I think
2: the swagger, it's very NBA-like, isn't it? And what does he love more than anything? He loves NBA. It's I crazy. think he'd rather be a basketballer than a tennis player and i think that's possibly another reason why guys Sam's generation get him because they're so enveloped in u.s sport and that swagger and that you know you you look at the nba guys he he stands and walks like lebron james you know that they have that um bent over swagger and that you know and that um devil may care attitude they get it where we're we're sort of um Bristled yeah. Well, because basketball is his, his favourite sport, I, I think that's why he flourishes
1: when he plays doubles with Kokonakis because it, it seems to me just as an observer that Nick loves being in a team. He loves the individual side, but I feel like he thrives more when he's working in a team. I, I feel like he's a very team sport-oriented man, and he's he said numerous times in interviews that he'd much rather be playing basketball so, than practising <laughs>
0: I want to finish with Nick's most recent success, which is Wimbledon 2022. Did his success at Wimbledon in 2022 change our perception of Nick Kyrgios, or is he destined to, to forever remain Australia's favourite foul-mouthed little brat, as Tony Jones referred to him?
1: Well, we were actually discussing this morning having having coffee, and we are looking up the stats, and the, the Newcombe medal was won by Barty, and yet Nick didn't win the medal, but he won forty-seven more individual games. Yeah, the calendar yeah. Year than, so, he than posted,
2: Barty. so he posted. So he posted a tweet saying, "You know, he doesn't get respect from Tennis Australia." Um, and he said, "If you looked at our boat at our records last year, his against Barty, um, you can't take on Barty." But Nick doesn't seem to care. Barty definitely portrays the side
1: of Tennis Australia that Levin and Newcombe did.
2: Yeah, we we love that, and we love and that. Rafter and Rafter. Yeah. Um, she's wonderful. No edges. She wins five Newcomb medals in a row. But um, as Sam was pointing out, their records last year were very similar to the point where I think Buddy won fourteen games and Kibiris won 61. sixty-one. So, um, matches in doubles and singles, and they both won a Grand Slam tournament, albeit. Um, his was in doubles, but then he was in the Wimbledon finals. So, as I said before, we Australians love winners, you know, and we and we feel that he's close now. You know, he's, he's closer than ever. He's got a very a really big chance of winning the Australian Open this year.
0: Does he have to win the Australian Open to change
2: our minds? Some minds, and some minds like really? Davy Warner will never be swayed, and that will never be changed. Will they? Mm. Well, I I think if. The
1: perception would change, but I, I think the people that love, as we said before, the swagger element, the Americanized NBA, NFL swagger. I feel like he's always going to have lovers and uh, and admirers around my age, so twenty five, and then the twenty, probably the eighteen year mark, even fourteen year mark to mm-hmm. twenty five. I think you always have. Fans there, I've I've I don't think I've met someone win or lose that's my age or younger that hates him. They all they love that, they love that energy, they love the arrogance because it reminds them of the other sports they love in the AFL. Slowly, players are starting to uh, be themselves more without well with, with scrutiny, but they 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 have that devil may care attitude. Jack Ginnivan who who plays for Collingwood has that devil-may-care mm-hmm. attitude and has won many admirers but also haters. And I, I feel like we, sport, sport in general across the globe, we're seeing more and more people like that. You look at soccer just recently in the World Cup, the flamboyance and um, arrogance in, in in the World Cup was crazy. But it's it's just a different side. I think it's definitely more scrutinised if you're playing in an individual sport.
2: The guys that love him now, he doesn't need to win to to get them on board. I think it's. I think if anything, he's he needs needs to win to get my generation over the line. And I, I don't think Nick cares about us. I don't think I don't think he really cares what we think of him, which is great. We want characters. I mean, we we love those um, characters in footy. We you know we, we want them. We embrace them, and the newspapers love them because they can sell papers. and We follow their every move.
0: I've been talking to Sam and Paul Harvey about their new book kyrgios the smash hits nick versus the world it's published by wilkinson and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au my name's greg dobbs and thanks for listening subscribe to good reading print and online magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au